This is the Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett, a podcast from the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, an organization dedicated to eradicating racism and hate and spreading anti-racism. Listen as Donzel talks about the relevant topics that will inspire you and help build your capability to take action and change the world. Because none of us are doing enough as long as racism still exists. And now, here's your host, Donzel Leggett. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Season 3 of The Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett. In this episode, I honor the 50th anniversary of hip-hop or rap music by discussing the once powerful but now fading impact of socially conscious rap in MC icons Chuck D and KRS-One. And I'll also welcome to the show the socially conscious musical collective known as MCE to discuss their mission of using their musical talents to uplift their community and spread anti-racism. I'll also play samples of MCE's music, including their latest release, 1955 Until, a tribute to Emmett Till. Now let's get started with our show. So I am Donzel Leggett, host of the Arc of Change podcast and founder of the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition, or ARC. Our vision at ARC is to build a racism-free world, and our mission is to provide inspiration, education, and support for you to transform, practice, and spread anti-racism. This begins with our three-step process of personal transformation to anti-racism. The first step is erasing your ignorance about racism and hate. The second step is educating yourself about anti-racism. And the third, the most important step, is building the character and confidence to stand up, speak out, and take action to spread anti-racism and anti-hate and make positive change happen. Now, this third step, this step of building that character and that confidence to stand up and speak out and take action to spread anti-racism and make positive change happen, as I said, is the most important and most critical. But we also know it's not easy for everyone. So we encourage people to start where you have some comfort and familiarity by using the credibility that you have with those closest to you to start influencing them to transform first. Then, as you build more confidence, you can start branching out to influence outside your immediate circle. It's important to note that how you do this is up to you. Based on what you feel, most comfortable with, and based on where you believe you have unique talents and skills to help the transformation come to fruition. The key is to take action and do something. Do it in your own way, but you have to do something. Do what you do. Now, I excel at public speaking. And I have the courage to give speeches to hundreds of people or speak out on a podcast like this that's listened to by thousands. But not everyone is comfortable doing this or see that they have skill sets that are specific to these areas. So in other words, this may not be the best way for them to take action. Others are great at meeting new people one-on-one and driving transformational change that way. They're comfortable and okay with having uncomfortable, tough conversations 
and are skilled at navigating these conversations one-on-one, even with people that they don't know well. Again, this may not be the best way for you to take action if this is not where your comfort lies or where your skill sets exist. Still others are less vocal and are more introverted, but have other unique talents, like in the arts, for example, like creating graphics or visuals that can be used to speak to and to to touch people and transform people in only a way that those can. Or creating paintings or sculptures that drive emotional transformation and change. Still others are skilled musically and use music as a medium for driving transformative change. One form of music that has a short, relatively speaking, but incredibly impactful history of being massively influential, especially to younger people, is rap or hip-hop. Now, this form of music is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, 50 years of existence in 2023 as a formally recognized musical genre. And although it is one of the newest forms, again, relatively speaking, of formal music, it is now arguably the most influential in American and global culture. Hip-hop music has impacted things like hairstyles, the way people dress, the way people talk. It's created its own language and, and slang words that have entered there. You can now find in, in Webster's Dictionary. Ways of walking, ways of dance. It's impacted television, movies, advertising, Sports, video games, social media, and the list goes on and on and on. And hip-hop and rap have some of the most recognizable names today in popular culture. But it's ironic that although rap started as kind of party hype music for DJs in the early 1970s, several artists quickly branched out into serious reality music in the mid-80s, the early to mid-80s, really was socially conscious rap talking about racially charged politics and the deep racial disparities in wealth, education, policing, incarceration, drugs, and violent crime, and what we should do about all that. While others branched into what we call gangster rap, talking about the same things, but more from the impact side of the realities of those disparities caused by racism, like poverty, unemployment, drugs, Desperation, that desperation that leads to violent crime and glorifying the gang life, unfortunately, that resulted as a manifestation of these disparities. Early on in this time frame, socially conscious rap was adopted wholeheartedly. And I'm talking again about the the early to mid, even into the late 1980s as the leading and most popular form of hip hop, especially by young black males. The young black male generation of that time in those early to mid 80s, which I was a part of. It felt like a script, a movie script or a a, a biography or or a a write up that represented the way that we felt. The things that we were lacking or missing or weren't hearing about or learning about, which were things like black history. As socially conscious rappers started introducing many of us to key black historical figures that most of us had never even heard of because they were not being taught in our schools. 
Now, sadly, this was an issue 40 years ago, and after making progress to get black history taught in school since then, many states have recently passed laws and are passing even more laws to remove black history or whitewash it within their schools. Again, back in the 1980s, from listening to rap, I learned, I can tell you personally, I learned about black history. I learned about black inventors who I had never heard of. Benjamin Banneker, Granville Woods, and Louis Latimer. I learned about Marcus Garvey, a revolutionary who, I, I again, I had never heard of and why he was so important. I even learned that Dr. Charles Drew, a black doctor, actually performed the first open heart surgery. Didn't know that, and I learned all of that by listening to KRS-One from Boogie Down Productions. I learned who Adam Clayton Powell Jr. was. I also learned who Nelson Mandela was and why he was so important, even though he was in South Africa, and even lesser-known South African revolutionary like Stephen Biko, who he was and why he was important. And I learned the deeper message of Malcolm X, much different than the way, and much deeper, I'd say, than the way he'd been portrayed through some of the things I'd seen on television, inspiring me to read his biography, to learn more and understand why he was so important. And I learned all of that from Chuck D in Public Enemy. This music and the lyrics also represented what we knew to be true, but didn't speak much about which was the real, deep, and terrible disparities that still existed and that we saw every day between black and white communities 20 years after the civil rights movement. Again, I'm talking about back in the 1980s. But again, that most of us didn't, just didn't talk about. We didn't talk about it. It was like there was an unwritten rule that we should just be happy that Jim Crow and segregation, lynchings, it all ended, and that Supposedly, now in the United States, we all were finally free to achieve whatever we strive to achieve. That the American dream was there for all of us through hard work. Even though we knew, we knew that the vast majority of our people, our families, our friends were still trapped in such deep poverty and attended such significantly underfunded schools and lived in such terrible conditions that they had slim to no chance of ever elevating to these conditions. These guys, these rappers, Chuck D, KRS-One, talked about it by bringing what we call the real, sharp and harsh real talk that gave us the confidence as well to speak out about it. And most importantly, they encouraged us to be proud of being black, but to use that pride to not just be satisfied, again, that the things were supposedly better and that there had been some progress, progress that had been made since the 1960s, because we could see and we knew that it was nowhere near enough and that we needed to stand up, speak out and do something to drive positive change. In fact, Regarding driving positive change, KRS-One tried to lead by example after his best friend and BDP co-founder, Scott LaRock, was gunned down and murdered, trying to take action to be a peacekeeper. 
and break up a neighborhood altercation. He started, KRS-One did, to stop the violence movement and influenced a group of some of the most popular rappers at the time, including Chuck D, to collaborate on a song called Self-Destruction that was targeted at young black men at the height of the crack epidemic and the gang violence that went along with it. But socially conscious rap was rejected by mainstream listeners as too radical and ironically racist because, again, a lot of the music was focused on teaching us about black history that was not being taught in our schools and instilling us with pride in being black, which was so desperately needed. It's always needed when you have a large group of people that have been subjugated for a long time, but especially in America for black people that have been subjugated for over 400 years. It also scared some people, especially people in the establishment, because it called for young people to wake up and pay attention and learn. Learn. See what's really going on. In other words, to erase our ignorance, to educate ourselves, and then to stand up, speak out, and take action to address all these deep disparities that still existed and seemed to be getting worse in our communities, even 20 years after the civil rights movement. Gangster rap was also rejected. In fact, it was rejected even more strongly. Gangster rap was so despised by the mainstream and the establishment at that time that it was actually banned. The United States president, the Congress, the Senate all got involved and called for it to be censored. Cases actually went to the Supreme Court. The explicit lyrics designation that's now commonplace today on music and video games was actually invented for gangster rap to keep it out of score stores and to keep it off the radio. And the stars of gangster rap like Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and Ice-T were vilified as criminals and gang members and were viewed as the scourge of society. But over time, the irony again is that gangster rap not only survived being banned, it actually thrived and then exploded and spawned alternate forms of this harsh reality but gangster lifestyle glorifying rap like pimp music and trap music. Today, some of the biggest stars in rap are or have been gangster rappers or trap music rappers. And even more incredibly, some of the original gangster rappers, the OGs of the game, the same rappers who were vilified, despised by the establishment 30 and 40 years ago actually crossed over to be embraced by the establishment and become mainstream stars and pop culture icons. Snoop Dogg, he's not only great friends with many establishment white stars like Martha Stewart, but also promotes so many mainstream brands and products and stars in so many commercials, it's more like, what does Snoop Dogg not promote? And Ice Cube, who's not only a movie star producer, but started his own professional basketball league called the Big Three. And Ice-T, who's not only a beloved TV star, but now actually promotes life insurance for retirees. And Dr. Dre, who not only is a respected billionaire businessman who co-founded Beats Headphones, but also headlined the halftime entertainment show for the Super Bowl 
a few years ago. All of these things are unfathomable. They would have been, I mean, we would have been looked at as crazy to think that these would happen to these gangster rappers back in 1988. It's unbelievable. But what about socially conscious rap and those socially conscious rappers? What about the stars of the 1980s who were the biggest rap stars at that time that I just talked about? The two that I believe are the greatest, KRS-One and Chuck D. These two guys had so many politically and socially conscious tracks in the mid-80s that spoke directly to us. It was awesome. It's incredible. It was almost like a religion listening to their music. Almost like hip-hop hymnals for us. KRS-One and his group, BDP, their second album, by any means necessary, had one of the greatest cuts of all time in my view. We knew it by heart. We sang it all the time. My Philosophy in which KRS-One talks about his mission to be the teacher. Because as he said in the song, it's not about a salary. It's all about reality. He followed that up with the album Ghetto Music, the blueprint of hip-hop, and the songs Why Is That? Questioning why black history is not taught in schools. And then he provided a history lesson on the beginnings of humanity's black roots. He also had a song on that album called You Must Learn, detailing many key black figures in American history that had been ignored. This song in particular is where I learned about many of the key historical black figures that I mentioned earlier that I had never heard of. Then he came back with what I believe was his best album, Edutainment, with the classics Beef detailing the horrors of the meatpacking industry and the negative health effects of eating red meat and the classic love's gonna get you using deep baseline in lyrical storytelling to teach an important lesson on how envy and greed are ultimately self-destructive. Chuck D and his group Public Enemy weren't just music icons or a music group that was popular. They actually felt like modern-day Malcolm X teaming up with the Black Panthers at the time. Their second album is, I believe, the greatest of all time when it comes to socially conscious albums. And I believe, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums ever of any kind. It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back is no doubt one of the most influential hip-hop albums as it made young black men like me in their late teens, early 20s, back in the late 1980s, really take time to think, to really think about what was really going on. And what am I doing to stand up, speak out, and take action for change? With classic songs like Bring the Noise, whose message was was a familiar one that P.E. had, which was to strongly stand up and loudly speak out. And Don't Believe the Hype, whose message was don't believe what you hear and what's just reported on TV or on the radio without doing your own research. A message that's even more true and important today in the era of social media, bots, generative AI, and deep fakes. This album also included several hard-hitting politically charged songs that are still as relevant today, almost 40 years later. Louder Than a Bomb looks at our historical disparities in this country and again implores us to strongly stand up and loudly speak out. Caught, can we get a witness? 
which shines a light on the racial disparities of courtroom injustice. Fight the power, which calls for us to take a proud stand against the historic systemic racism and institutional subjugation. Black steel in the hour of chaos, which basically asks the question, if I'm not treated as a full citizen, why should I be counted on and drafted as a full citizen? Night of the Living Baseheads, which brings to life the real horrors of the crack epidemic and how it was destroying the black community. And Rebel Without a Pause and Prophets of Rage, which were again anthems calling for us to strongly stand up, speak out loudly, and take action. These are all all-time greats. But unlike Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, and Ice-T, today, most people don't know who KRS-One or Chuck D are. They missed out on the sustained fame and incredible wealth that the gangster rap icons now enjoy, as they chose to stick with socially conscious music the kind of music that we need now more than ever to teach us about black history as it's being banned from state to state. To wake us up to the real historic disparities that still exist. To uplift and instill pride in historically subjugated communities like the black community in the United States. To focus on self-improvement and reject self-destruction and to stand up, speak out, and take action for positive change. But for some reason, it just doesn't seem that this message appeals to today's audiences. It's like what KRS One said in the song, You Like Me, from his 2017 album, The World Is Mind, and that's mind with a D. As long as I'm dancing, acting, or rapping, Walking around like I don't know what's happening. You like me. If I'm talking about drinking and nothing about thinking. And as long as I'm high and I never ask why. You like me. Chuck D and KRS missed out on the wealth. They missed out on the fame from the explosion of rap. But still stayed true to their vision of hip hop. Of using this art form to erase ignorance to educate, and to build the confidence to stand up, speak out, and take action to drive positive change. They stayed true to hope, and that's H-O-P-E, how optimistic people endure. Today, sadly, there are very few contemporary rappers using the art form to make socially conscious music, to drive positive change, and to uplift their communities in the face of all these still existing extreme historic disparities. But one of these few is a group called MCE. MCE is a socially conscious musical collective of artists encompassing the forms of drawing, painting, murals, but music is their main passion. They say that they are fueled by the lessons learned from the greatest teachers in scholars of the past, and they describe their sound as being the lifeblood of the people. They strive to inspire through their music and to help people reach higher heights. MCE is made up of MC's Obafemi, also known as Magnum, which is the M 
from MCE. And said Adams, who's the C. Obafemi and said say that they bring the lyrical wizardry and wordsmithing skills into the music, which is inspired by everyday life struggles, ups and downs, and the plight of black people. And then there's soul singer Eshmalek, who is the E from MCE. Eshmalek provides a contrasting but harmonious flow to the group's music. MCE is a talented group of aspiring artists who are using their talents in the spirit of Chuck D and Public Enemy, KRS-One and BDP to uplift their community to believe in and action hope. Hope against historic disparities. Hope against apathy. Hope against seemingly all odds to illustrate and role model how optimistic people endure. So come back after the short break for a first on the arc of change, a music guest, and you'll be treated to both inspirational talk and some very cool educational and motivational music from MCE. So come back because it's the arc of change, T-A-O-C, episode nine in season number three, the musical collective known as MCE. Jamming with Leger in the ARCC. It's the Arc of Change, T-A-O-C, episode nine in season number three. The musical collective known as MCE, Jamming with Leger and the ARCC. It's the Arc of Change, T-A-O-C, the Arc of Change, ARCC, the Arc of Change. Hosted by me, episode 9, in season number 3, the musical collective known as MCE, jamming with Leger and the ARCC. Just a little something, something for hip-hop's 50th. We'll be right back with MCE. The Arc of Change podcast is brought to you by the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition. Visit us at joinarcc.org to learn more about ARC and join our movement. All right, so we're back on the ARC of change. And as promised, we have a very, very special group of guests that are joining us, the Musical Collective known as MCE. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. So happy to have you. Sir. All right. Glad to be here. Peace, peace, man. What's going on, Darzell? Yo, glad to be here, man. Glad to be here. Awesome, Word. awesome. Man, it, it was great to connect with you guys. I've had several conversations with Obafemi. Uh, my first time uh, today getting a chance to talk in depth with said in Eshmalek. But uh, I'm very, very excited to get going. And I think the first thing is maybe to have you guys introduce yourselves uh, individually. Um, you can be brief with that or as long as you want. And then we'll get into a little bit more on your background. So let's start off with Obafemi. Peace, man. I'm Obafemi, one third of the group, uh, MCE, uh, artist, producer, author, uh, father, um, Man, just wear multiple hats, man. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Awesome. Into activist, organizer, a lot of stuff. Into everything. Yeah. Try to make a difference. What about Eshmalek? 
Yeah, this is E.S. Malay. <clears throat> I'm a son, brother, father, husband. I'm a songwriter, graphic artist. I do video. I'm a videographer. I'm a short film producer. Uh, and uh, that's, yeah, that's about it. All right. All right. Excellent. And what about you, Sid? Yeah, I'm the senior, man. And uh, I'm the... They left out. They left our grandfather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we grandfathers in there too, man. So yeah, add that there. But um, man, just just overall, you know, like I say, MC and you know, warrior, you know, father, all that, just all all that in one man. Man, that's that's uh, that's a great intro. And you know, in talking to Obafemi, it sounds like you guys live in Arkansas. Is that right? You're all Correct. in Arkansas. Yeah, and um. You know, you 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 make this really great socially conscious music, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. But maybe you could tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Um, you know, in growing up in Arkansas, wherever you grew up. You know, for some of us, you know, the only thing we know about Arkansas is Walmart. You know, is headquartered there. Um, obviously, President Clinton was there. Um, you know, there so that. But then, you know, if you remember, I'm sure you guys remember that there was this documentary that many of us saw about twenty some years ago called "Banging in Little Rock." which shook a lot of people up around, wow, yeah. that stuff's happening in Arkansas. So it made people realize, man, there's some, there's some issues there. So maybe you guys could tell us what about your, your background in Arkansas and some of the issues. Are they there? Tell us about that. We'll yeah, start I'm with a, you, said. I'm going to start. I'm going to feedback on what you said with the banging and Little Rock. Uh, I'm originally from Chicago. Okay. So I was, I was raised there until like 18, and I came to Pine Bluff. I'm, we're in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. So. Okay. You know, I was in Chicago on the way here, and I saw a banging in Little Rock, and I was like, "They do that there too?" You know, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it was kind of it was surprising to me, you know. But you know, in Pine Bluff, man, he, what would you say, eighty-five, ninety percent black in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, wow. if not more. You know, so yeah, so we we're we're dealing with you know, and it's a small city, yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of one of the cities that you know. When something big takes over, like fashion or something, they catch it five, six years later. Okay. So it's one of those <laughs> type of cities, man. But, okay. Yeah, but 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 poverty and crime and stuff like that, you know, that hits it just like everywhere else. So, you know, it's the same thing going on in, in Power Bluff. And that's, and that's kind of what we gear our music and, you know, our initiatives on what we do as far as in the community, you know. Because we know anywhere we go, people are going to understand what we're saying because yes. it goes on everywhere. Yes, it's uh, you know? when you talk about, you know, those disparities, we call them, you know, whether it's in education, yeah. um, whether it's in incarceration yeah. rates, arrest rates, whether it's in wealth generation and poverty. Um, it's the same thing, whether yeah. you're in Pine Bluff or whether you go to Jacksonville, Florida, um, as we saw what happened yeah. very tragically just um a couple of weeks ago, or in Minneapolis, Minnesota, or Chicago. Yeah. Um, and so bringing awareness yeah. to these issues is so important. I know you guys are trying to do that. And Eshman, like, what about you? Where, where are yeah. you from? Are you from uh, Arkansas, or where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Pine Bluff, too. Okay. I'm, I'm from Pine Bluff, too. And uh, Brother uh, said it pretty much has wrapped it up. Um, I mean, it's not that much I can add to that. Uh, uh, he pretty much expounded on, on how I go here. You know, yeah, I go here when we just do our part, you know, to, to, you know, we tell our story, but also we're trying to, t you know, try to let everybody know there's an alternative uh, to what we're doing, yeah. how we're thinking, you know. Yeah. Love it. 
And it's and it's, it's definitely an alternative here, man, because like I said, in Chicago, it's it's not as natural it is in Arkansas. You know, Arkansas is a natural state. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't know anything about you no know, gardening and you know, cutting grass. You know, I live in Chicago, I was in an apartment building. Right. So, you know, it's and so it's just trying to get back to the roots and get people to hear our music and understand what getting back to the roots is. Yes. You know, that you're in a it's a impoverished state here, it's poverty, but you're in a you're in probably one of the best, how can I say, one of the best case scenarios other than some people in bigger cities. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so much mm-hmm. natural around you that you can you can be involved in, you know, that they are never gonna see. Because everything is so manufactured to them, even the parts, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and and the other thing you mentioned, so it sounds like there's there's a lot of open space. It's not as like a concrete jungle, but eighty five mm-hmm. to ninety percent black. I, I mean, most of us have never lived in a city quite like that. Uh, yeah. You grew up there, uh, 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 Eshmalek. Tell us, what, you know, what what was what was unique about growing up around pretty much all black people. Um, because again, I've never experienced that. I've always been significantly in the minority growing up in Florida and Key West, Florida, or going to Purdue University or living in Minnesota. So, uh, tell us a little bit about that. What, what are some of the things you remember, you know, that you take note of that, that you feel proud about? Okay. Well, uh, if history serves, Pine Buff was started by black millionaires. Uh, the, I think I, wow. the first black, uh, I mean, uh, it started by black millionaires and, um, it was during the sixties that I came along. So, you know, the atmosphere and people, people were just more neighborly. I mean, uh, you weren't afraid of anybody. People still, you know, I, I went through all of that, that era. I remember when the crack epidemic hit and when things started to change and yeah. how, um, how law enforcement began to change the, you know, uh, 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 I've had some racism here. But not as much as I see uh, other places experience. Uh, don't too much have that too much here. Uh, not not on a personal level no more. We just have it on a systemic type That's of level. Systemic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Got it. Sounds uh, very um, familiar. I'll put it that way. Unfortunately, <laughs> and one of the things we try to do at Arc is try to bring to light that you know racism. The problem of racism in this country is not so much about someone being a bigot and calling someone a racial epitaph. It's people who don't do that, but then don't recognize that systemic racism is real. Uh, because if you don't do anything about systemic racism, yeah. then those who are trapped in poverty can never escape and will never have any right. equity. So yeah. what you're saying is is uh, is really, really clear. So, all right, let's let's talk about the MCE story and how you guys came together. Um, I don't know who said you want to start <laughs> off with telling us about MCE and how, how this all thing formed. Well, I'll say, I'll say my part. Um, Ishmaelek is my brother-in-law. Okay. Me and him are married to two. We're married to two sisters. All right. You know, so uh, when I met him, you know, I knew I found out he was singing. You know, so we got together. We collabed on some songs. You know, but I was always a solo artist. He was a solo artist, and so um, I met I met Obimbi through one of our homeboys, uh, Big Grip. Shout out to Grip. I would say shout out to him every time, man. You know. And uh, Grip was telling me Obafemi was doing production where he was making beats, you know what I'm saying? So I was going to Obafemi to get beats. Yeah. And um, 
it just kind of went from there. Like he he heard some of the stuff I was doing. I heard some of the stuff he was doing. And we just said, yo, let me do some tracks together. So we ended up doing tracks. And he ended up like hearing me and my brother-in-law, Ishmael Leg, you know, singing. So we like, yo, that's a that's another dynamic to add to a group that you nice. never do. You never see a lot of groups anyway. Right. You know, R and B or rap, you know, so so that was that was that dynamic that we needed with the singing and you know. Man, I wouldn't say the rest of history because we still we still going over the door, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's 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 still the work and it, it worked for us, you know. That's great. You no, know, I know what... he probably got another he, he probably got another story to add to that, man. You yeah. Oh uh, no, that, that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> man, that that that's cool. I I had no idea you guys were brother in law, so you go back. Uh, and you have some yeah. connections that way, <laughs> yeah. but um, but you're right, yeah. man. It, it's is rare now to have groups that are formed, especially later in life. It sounds like you guys didn't weren't together, you know, when you were younger. Uh, you're making great music. Oh, no. What's the reception been like? I mean, it, it, how have you played some venues? What what has the reception been like? Yeah, we played a, played a few venues, man. We didn't went to we just recently went to Mississippi, okay, and um, then to Dallas. You know, it, the reception is. People say we've been looking for this type of music. Yeah. And like, man, we didn't know y'all, we didn't know y'all existed. We y'all should be on the radio every day. Y'all, sh- you know, that's the that's the reception. But you know, the the, the truth of that is, is for for that to occur, it has to be financial backing. Yes. Behind it. And it has to be something everybody wants. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But I would say our reception has been, man, people when people initially hear us and we said we rap. They put rap in one big box. Right. You know, they say my cousin rap or, you know, somebody in their family rap. Like I said, they put rap in a, just one little box right here. And so when they when they hear us, though, they say, oh, oh y'all really, you know, y'all really talking about something. It's not that, you know, you know, it, I don't know. People get it like when they say when you're doing something, like I said, they think everybody is just doing the same thing. Like they rap it just as one thing, you know, and it's. It's more to it than just that. That's what we, you know, that's what we try to show them, try to tell them. For sure. And, and I was talking to Obafemi and I was telling him, you know, back uh, in the in the 80s when I was really, you know, listening to, I still listen to a lot of rap music. But back then, you know, we had a lot of socially mm-hmm. conscious rappers, of course, KRS-One and BDP, Chuck D and Public Enemy, x Clan, Brother J. I mean, these guys were were really killing it. And they were more accepted at that time. Um, and then the gangster rap came and at first people rejected that. But then as time went on, it like it flipped and like the gangster rap was accepted. And then these guys were pushed away. And, and they, like all of a sudden, like even you go fast forward today and you know, some of those guys that were gangster rappers back then, like that people didn't want you to associate with. I mean, now you got Snoop selling, yeah. selling everything. On television, we do cooking shows with Martha Stewart. Yeah. So it's like, but like all the socially conscious rappers, like KRS still performs, but like to small yeah. venues. He's still making albums, but you got to get it on like uh, on on special apps and things like that. So we got to figure out a way to yeah. bring this music to the mainstream. And one way to do it is to promote the music. So I'm gonna jump right into music and uh, and, and let you guys talk about it. So. The first one I want to talk about is is uh, is food, which I, I I really liked. I really liked because there's so many different ways that we can look at food uh, in terms of the impact yeah. it has on us. 
And like you said, people try to put rap in one container, but it takes talented individuals to not only bring really good beats to the table, but then to talk about something like food in a way that's very unique and helps us understand how it nourishes us in so many different ways. So I'm going to play a little clip of food, and then I want you guys to talk about it. So I'm going to play some food. That's great stuff, man. That's great stuff. So tell me about food. What encouraged you guys or influenced you or inspired you to make that song? So... Food is part of a, a, a project that we were working on called uh, Food, Clothes, and Shelter. Um, and so uh, I think that the concept behind it, man, was uh, we wanted to, as far as my verse, I just wanted to people to kind of think of food in a more expansive uh, way versus, you know, I'm hungry, I go get something to eat, but right. like how how we're socialized through food, you know, so many things that we are connected when it comes to food. And uh, a lot of, a lot of people don't really understand how our food gets to our, you know, how it gets to the grocery store, how it gets to our table, how food is grown. So I kind of want to, to, to paint a picture uh, on the other side versus, um, you know, we're just talking about food that you eat every day. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of politics behind how our food systems run today. Uh, and it, and it, uh, it has some real serious health and, and uh, environmental uh, associations, uh, associations that go into this. So uh, food is a very expansive uh, topic. And uh, we, we just try to hit it on different angles, man. I love it. And you and I were talking, Obafemi. Um, by the way, that was Obafemi giving that brilliant answer. Uh, but we were talking about, um, you know, this made me go back to a classic, uh, a, a BDP and KRS-One classic from the album Edutainment, Beef, which, uh, you know, for people who haven't heard that, go back, pull it up, listen to it, watch the video. But um, I think you did the same thing, but expanded it beyond just red meat. Um, and, and so really, really awesome, awesome song, man. So, uh, I love that one. Um, uh, I want to now talk about, uh, working on myself cause I love this song. I love this song. <laughs> like my life mantra, my, if you ask my kids, if you ask anybody that's worked with me, you know, does Donzo have a life mantra or a motto? My motto is strive to be the best and control your own destiny. You know, I've, every day yeah. I'm trying to find a way to learn something new, do something better, work out, stay strong, stay in shape, physically, psychologically, spiritually, every day get better so that I make my own luck. And yeah, something might happen to me any day it could happen, but I'm going to be prepared that if it doesn't, I'm going to move the, the dial forward for myself and for others. How can I make a difference in this world, man? And so to hear this song, it brought that to life for me. 
I love this song. I love the hook. I love the beats. I'm going to play a little bit of this one because I think it's uh, it's really, really a great song. Well, boys, we hit the jackpot this time. MC, MC, in the building, building. Y'all know what time it is. I wish you guys could all see me if you, you know, on the podcast, the audience, they can't see it. Unfortunately, we just do audio, but I'm just, I'm just jamming. I'm just jamming because that's right up my alley, man. Uh, I love the hook. Eshmalek, is that you singing the hook? Uh, no, that's uh, that's Obafemi. That's Obafemi. I didn't know oh, Obafemi sang. Yeah. I thought he just rapped. So, and, and who was who was hitting the, who, who's, uh, whose bars was that? Was that said or was that Obafemi as well? That was Obafemi as well. Man, Obafemi, that that was tight, <laughs> man. I gotta tell you, I love it. A, tell me about working on myself. No, that, no, was, that was said. I'm sorry. That okay, was said. all right. Well, both of y'all, tell me about it. Man, uh, uh, hey, right there, working on myself, man. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, I started off, man, like, you know, the way, you know, everybody worry about the weight, you know, so, you know, just, just, just playing on the words, but man, working on myself is something I do every single day. I had a, I had a talk with my daughter the other day and, um, she was just talking to me about some stuff and I was saying, like, I said, you can't beat yourself up about choices that you make because you work on yourself every single day. You know, I'm telling her, like, I'm working right now. You learn every day, you know, so. You know, that's kind of kind of what the thing, you know, the whole idea of the song was, you know, whether somebody out here trying to get, you know, back in shape, whether somebody out here trying to go get a job, you know, it's it's an everyday, you know, thing. Just work on yourself, man, every single day. Man, what do you think, Obafemi? Man, uh, yeah, like you said, man, it's 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 kind of like a mantra for us, man. And we all um I think we all collectively and individually, like man, we you know we done we done worked out as a group, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know we 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 focused a lot on on health and wellness, man. Is you know I'm I'm 44 years old. I got children. I got a grandchild on the way. Like I'm trying to be here uh, and and live a high quality of life uh, within my own self, man. So like you said. Um, Mental, physical, your spiritual body, man, all of those things have to be cultivated consistently. Uh, and when you don't, you know, it's going to show up in, in, in some form or fashion. So, you know, uh, I had a I had a partner. He told me his grandmother said, 
you ain't grown until you're gone. So, you know, to, to me, that just saying you need to keep working on your, keep learning, keep, keep refining yourself, keep redefining yourself. Um, and, and you'll see some gains in your life, man. So, uh, you know, whether that's working on your character, working on a skill or a trade, you know, there's, there's many different ways that you can work on yourself. So uh, we wanted to provide something that was very motivational, man, for us as well as those who listen to the music. So. I, yeah. man, I just think it's so powerful. It, it is so powerful. You know, we at ARC, you know, we're striving to create and build a racism-free world. We know that that is a very uh, aspirational dream, but our view is to try to get people to convince themselves to transform, to adopt anti-racism, and to stand up for the right things. And certainly standing up for breaking down systemic racism is important because if you don't do that, then at some point, those who have suffered for hundreds of years uh, and are trapped in poverty can't ever get out. But the other part of it is when you've been held down for so long, it is easy to have a mindset of I, I, I can never get anything to change. Why? Why try? So we do have a responsibility to convince our people, whether you're uh, a Latino brother or sister, whether you're uh, um, a Native American brother or sister, you know, or even a white brother or sister who've been held down. But we know in America, African-American, black people, we've been held down the longest. And I don't have to, it's not an opinion, it's facts. I mean, just look at all the disparities, you know, it's uh, whether it's, again, educational disparities, incarceration disparities, uh, wealth generation, all of these things. You take a look and it's the larger percentage of the black, black population that's in that situation of being at the lower end of that tier. So making music that's helping people recognize, you know what, you don't have to be trapped. Every day do something to work on yourself. And I just commend you guys for making this song. It's it's just a very positive song for me. And Obafemi, I love the fact, and, and, uh, and said, I love the fact you started off with health and it ties into food because so many of us in the black community, either us or our family members are suffering from heart disease or suffering from diabetes. You know, and it's a lot of it's the diet that we've been that we've been accustomed to eating because of the fact we've been trapped in poverty and getting people to recognize you yeah. know, we don't have to eat like that. We don't have to live like that. So, again, I, I just love that, man. And I'm going to end. I also want you guys to comment on it. And I heard you say, Eshmalek, that you are a video maker, a small movie maker. Um, but I, I, I can't play this one because it's too long. But I watched the, I think it's a 16 or 18 minute, I call it a short movie, Red, Black, and Green. That is so powerful. Mm-hmm. It, you got to go to YouTube and watch this thing. It is so powerful. It's in three different sections. How you guys came up with the idea to make this, but I'd like for you to just talk to me about Red, Black, and Green. What was it? Why did you make it? Tell us about that. I don't know if it, who, who wants to start. Is it Eshmalek? No, that had to be CSA and put the, the final product together. Well, you're basically saying the concept, right? How do we all think of it? Yeah, just, just tell us about it. How did the concept come about? And, uh, and and what were you looking to accomplish with it? Well, um, we we had, we know, I know we came, we were doing another project, and I know we came with the idea of red, black, and green. So I had beats that I was using, and well, I didn't, I didn't use the beats yet. I had them stored, and I was like, man, these are beats that, you know, could can kind of ride. And so... Red, black, and green is, you know what I'm saying, basically the Pan-African flag. Yeah. So to represent that, you know what I'm saying, we use the red or the blood, people of the land. And so each one of us chose which one we felt we better suit 
on, you know, on rhyming, you know what I'm saying? Which one fit up? So I chose red, you know, he had black and of course, uh, Femi had green. I want to say that we recorded it and then we came with the idea of, man, you know, let's shoot a video for, I think with red. And we're like, what if we shoot a video and we shoot all three and then put them all together? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And have them, because really that's what it was anyway. Red, black, and green, it all, you know, compiled together and that'd be something different right there. So, uh, one of each video to kind of go into the other one and coincide with each other to, to make that statement of each one is as equal as the other, especially on the flag. You know what I'm saying? So, so when you mix, when you mix all three together, you see an importance of yes. blood, people, and land, you know. So on red, I was just coming with the people that died before, the civil rights, our ancestors in Africa, you know, those are dying right now. That blood is part of us. Yes. So that's kind of what you hear in the chorus of, you know, what I'm what I'm trying to say on there as far as, you know what I'm saying? Uh uh let E he was finding the black more. For me, black was uh of course the for the skin of our people, the color of our people. But uh uh, another to add on to what Sid was saying is that uh, we seen we have seen uh, plenty of people do songs on the red, the black, and the green. Right. But we hadn't yet to see anybody do any song partic- on each particular one, and that's what we thought uh, what would be unique about what how we our take on it. And so, yeah. So yeah. I took black uh, for for the skin of my people and import. You know our. Uh, our journey as a people. And uh, that's it on that. Yeah, I love the fact that, again, I love the whole thing, but I really love how red starts off kind of shocking you when you're talking blood. <laughs> but then when you get to black, and this is where you don't see, you spent a lot of time, like, look like profiling black fathers. Why did you do that? Why do you think that was important? The the attack on the black family, you know, because of the attacks that's been on the black family, the black nuclear family is a, is a husband, is a father, I mean, a father, Mother and children. Uh, uh, we we just see that really in, on TV in in, uh, in movies now. You know, uh, it's not that many that you know. Even in my lifetime, what I see around here today, I see a lot of single parent homes or yeah. or uh, highly toxic homes. You know, uh, you know. Besides my my brothers that I see with and a few other people, you know, uh, uh, that's younger than me. Uh, and we need that. We need to reintroduce. We need to uh, instill people, you know, the importance of the black family, the importance of having a father, the image of father. We need to update the images of our father. They just, you know, there's a father out here that's sagging and doing all this other stuff too. But you know, you know, we they we already know what that's going to get them if they don't, you know, work on themselves. They don't work on themselves. You know, they, you know. So we we the importance of the black father and and also you know trying to give. Put it out there that there are some people out here. I didn't know none of these people yeah. that's in the video. I didn't know none of these people. I just we were just out and whoever we saw, really, we put them in the video. Really, <laughs> yeah. wow! I, I wouldn't have even known yeah. that. But man, it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant uh, for a couple reasons. One, again, starting with the red, the blood, and the fact we got people that have been killed. I mean, you know that that happens. But then to yeah. follow that up with yeah. okay. But this is what black people are. This is what a black man is about, about fatherhood. And to have that calmness and that love yeah. just come through, it it was, 
it was very emotional for me to watch it, to be honest with you, uh, just to think about me <laughs> as a father uh, and, and, you know, my brother and others who are to take fatherhood seriously and how there's this misconception, like you said, e, about mm-hmm. what the, the people think about the black family and black fathers. And I, I met all three of you guys today. When you introduced yourself to me and on this call, you said, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a grandfather. I mean, I just, I, I yeah. love what you're doing. Ian. With your answer there was just, just perfect, man. Oh, but Femi, anything you want to add on green? And so uh, the, the concept of green, man, um, again, we, you know, we live in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Yeah. If you don't know where this is, we in the middle of the woods. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Arkansas is called a natural state. So, you know, we, we, are, you know, it's it's pretty uh people for lack of a better term, it's pretty country around here. You know, Arkansas <laughs> is country within itself. Yep. But the, I think the essence of, of, of what I was trying to capture with Green is the importance of uh the land as it relates to food, as it relates to the land is what provides us everything that we need in order to survive. Um I'm I'm very big into agriculture, so you know we've we've started the community garden uh, back here in 2017. Oh, so awesome, awesome. I, I, I want to tie that in and just kind of using green as symbolism for you know from you know people am, am, ambitions can be uh, associated with green. You know jealousy can be associated with green. So there's a number of things that I tried to tie in just yes. what what green represents. From money to, you know, people, I think I mentioned in the song, like, people have found ways to make money on pretty much everything. Like, yeah. I mean, you can go buy grass. Right. <laughs> you can buy bags of poop from animals. At right. So, like, you know, yeah. like, uh, to, to green technology, to, you know, at the end of the video, we show the solar panels and all of those type of things. So, That's right. Uh, just, just, I want to provide a concept, an idea with green could possibly represent uh, for us uh, going into the future. So, Awesome. Like I said, for the audience, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's like a short movie because the way that, that said explained it, they made three videos but then linked them together. But the flow and the, and the emotions they take you through is, is just awesome. It's really, really great. Visit us at joinarcc.org. Follow us on Instagram. LinkedIn and Twitter and like us on Facebook. As great as what we've talked about is so far, you know, with food, with uh, working on myself, with red, black and green, which you released just a couple months ago to me is the best um, until <laughs> until I mean, that, I mean, it, it, you know, some of us know the, the story of Emmett Till and it's uh, it's uh, it, it's it's still shocking to many of us. And for those who have been to the African-American Museum of, of History in, um, in Washington, D.C., um, you know how the emotional journey of walking into that, that Emmett Till uh, room is. Um, but what you guys did, I thought, not only honored what happened, but did it in a way that I still think is uplifting, um, really, really uplifting. So this one, which, again, I think is brilliant, Got to play the whole song because it, it's that good, and and I want to make sure that people hear this because it it is uh, it is fantastic. So here's until. 
like this, 1955, hot August day, money, Mississippi, dirty, South Carolina, that's the race, kind of big, and being white makes them supreme, Chicago's on the land, don't escape the poverty, picking cotton, life is right, got no civil liberty, if you speak out, they gon' freak, I find you hanging from a tree, that's the order, that's the sort of thing that happens in a day, praying to the Lord, and he gon' make a way, so the Lord sent an angel from Chicago to the field, the ugly and the soft revealed by Emmett Till, he used to laugh, used to joke with the boys in the hood, but dangerous to this angel, don't think he understood that this the South, shut your mouth, this where black live in fear, this the land of Jim Crow, this where you disappear, telling everybody around him, black and white, so love your friends, cause that's the type of life Emmett we living in, I think I want some candy, Emmett walks into the store, but Carolyn Brown made him run back outside the door, Peter's made him find his body, torch and dust and water's deep, this figure still his mama, man, allowed the world to see, justice never came to end, it was the sign of the time, quick and quick, a little money, confess to all the crime, we learned what made him kill, it wasn't what Miss Brian said, they tried to break him, tried to make him believe that black was bad, 2am they came to get him, his intentions were sour Fast asleep in the bed, there was a knock on the door Uncle Moses let him in, but he was both from the court Didn't know it was the last time he see him at a lie So he stood tall in court, pointed out, testified But his life was on the line, so he said he had to flee He didn't think he had the courage, pointed, said There he, no justice, no peace, the pain, anguish and grief Folks praying to the Lord to help give us some relief With the deacons of defense, would have paid him a visit For the people we remember, we gon' do it for Emmett. 1955, hot August day. Money, Mississippi, dirty South Carolina. That's the race, kind of big and being white makes him supreme. Chicago's on the land, no escape the poverty. Thinking cotton, life is white, got no civil liberty. If you speak out, they gon' freak out, find you hanging from a tree. That's the order, that's the sort of thing that happens in a day. Praying to the Lord that he gon' make a way. We're down in Money, Mississippi, where the money is in plenty. Money is missing. Let me take you to the fifties, nineteen fifty-five. Let me exact by being black. Let me go in the back of the bus for us to cover the line. Divided by the tracks of the railroad, just the base, cotton mill, left the place forever. Him and face will never leave the minds of those who bear witness to all the hate against us. A young man adventurous, coming from the shy. A young man adventurous, 'cause we know we only die for being black. At a time for being black, what's a crime? Being black for you and I is to suffer. Picture your mother getting a call to come and deny. You, your sister, or brother, as soon as your body recovers from a tractor that's so heinous, nobody can even recognize you. But long as we keep singing your name to teach love and pain, then we can see that change shine through. 
Awesome, man. Awesome. Fantastic. You got to tell us, um, how did you guys come up with the concept of making this song? Um, and, and tell us about the process of making it and how you feel about the finished product, because you got to be proud. Yeah, um, man, how did this song come about? Um, this was something that uh, I think we had, we, we talked about uh, before. Um, I actually saw there's a sister down in Mississippi. Uh, she has a magazine, like an online magazine, and uh, she put out a call. Uh, she said, you know, there's, you know, artists making all kinds of songs. I haven't heard a song specifically about Emmett Till before. Mm. And uh, so I, you know, I I ran the concept by, uh, you know, the brothers. And, uh, hey, we said there was something that we wanted to address. Uh, we do our own podcast called uh, Soul Speaks. Soul Speaks. And, uh, yes. And so we talked about it uh, on, a, on a few episodes, uh, kind of dealing with the case. And um, we've also mentioned Emmett Till in a, in a previous album back in like 2015. Uh, we did a song called Life and Legacy, which was dedicated to, um, there was a 170-year-old uh, black man here in Pine Bluff that was uh, killed by the SWAT team. Um, and so we we did a song dedicated to him, but we also mentioned Emmett Till in that song. So this has been something that was kind of in the works, but uh, we we actually released the song on Emmett Till's birthday. We released the song and the video on Emmett Till's birthday, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, I think the response has been great thus far. And we got a chance to perform the song for uh I think a couple of the family members uh were there wow. Wow. uh down in Jackson, Mississippi. So uh Fantastic. last just last month. So yeah, that was that was uh I'm you know, I'm man, over, overjoyed with the, you know, he did the video, he shot the video, uh, you know, splicing together what he sure. did uh in a very masterful way, man. So I, I'll let him talk about how he came up with the concept for the video. Uh well, for the, uh, I mean, when, uh, like I said, we, we did, uh, know about Emmett Till, uh, through our studies uh, back in the day and stuff like that. But, um, uh, you know, we would mention all, all our fallen soldiers and sisters, you know, uh, in song all the time. Yeah. But, uh, when that sister did put the call out, uh, and we actually had this song in the works before she put the call out, but we had put it on the shelf. But as soon as she put that call out, we understood. We it's like we immediately understood the importance of what we had already had in the works. Yes, uh, I think we had the song in the works for about almost a year before we before she. Uh, uh, so uh, once uh, the call was made out, you know, uh, we under, we understood. Uh, I mean, it was just like for me, it was like you know uh, going back and learning more. And more as much as I could, I ended up watching both of the movies, the Inner Teal movies, the one on YouTube and uh, the Teal movie, yeah. uh, just to get some more insight. And and as I did my own research, so when the song came together, I mean, I feel like all of us put a lot of passion to that song, uh, and it, we wanted to we wanted to get people a complete, thorough history of what happened. Uh, and I feel like we were able to deliver that. And of course, we made sure uh, that all the imagery, yes. Uh, 
follow along with that to, to support the video. So it was like an interactive thing for the song and the video. It's like you almost got to play them together sometimes, you know. But the song is a stand by itself is, is fantastic. And I'm very happy with the finished project. The video, again, is, is also so you should be very, very proud. Um, and to do that yourself, man, it really <laughs> speaks to the talent you have as a video editor. Uh, videographer, whatever, whatever producer, director. I mean, because it it is really, really well done. Said anything you want thank to you, add? You. Oh, really? I mean, I, <clears throat> I just want to add to what you know he just said too. Like you know, he Emmett Till is from my hometown. You right. know what I'm saying? And um, even up there, we didn't hear a lot about Emmett Till. You know, when we went to school, we saw Eyes on the Prize. You know, they played that. And so you knew something of the story, but I think it I think it hit me more, you know, at the age I am now, having children and just imagining, you know, my son going somewhere yeah. and that happening. And you have no control over it. So I think it, it's a story that has to be out there because it's, it's a story that still goes on. You know, it didn't start with anything. Right. Well, man, it's... Um... It's fantastic. And, and the full name of the song is 1955 Until. Uh, that's the full name of the song. And um, I'm just so proud I got to play it um, on our podcast. And hopefully you get some new listeners who uh, want to understand and hear from you. Um, it's so important to share these stories and to do this type of music again. And I love, again, on the fact that you go through the story and try to be as factual as you can. Because, uh, again, not everyone reads, especially young people. They don't tend to, to read papers or go research and things like this. It's quick information that comes at them, you know, yeah. via social mm-hmm. media or a song. And, and it was true, you know, to a certain extent back when yeah. I was growing up. And, you know, there's a lot of movements going on in this country right now in different states where they're trying to outlaw black education or African-American education or history, I should say, um, trying to whitewash it. Um when I was, you know, Arkansas up, is one of them. Arkansas is one of them. Florida is one of them. And you know, when I was growing up, this yeah. wasn't a debate, but it just wasn't in the schools. So you know, I, I didn't know yeah. anything about who, like, who Marcus Garvey was. I didn't know who that was till I heard KRS One talk about him. And KRS One told me who Marcus <laughs> yeah. Garvey was. I had no idea who Adam yeah. Clayton Powell was till I heard KRS One talk about him. I didn't know who these people yeah. were. You know, I didn't know that uh, Elijah McCoy. You know, was a great inventor, black inventor. That Lewis Latimer actually mm-hmm. did a lot of the inventing that Thomas Edison got credit for, at least helped on these things. It was really only till I heard yeah. these things through rap that, like, oh wait a minute, I started doing my own research, yeah. right? So what you guys are doing, you never know who you think should know who Emmett Till is or what really happened, but now they're gonna know because they they heard your song. So I just want to make sure and thank you. So you mentioned your podcast. How else can people find your music, um, hear your videos or watch your videos or even see you perform live? What's a, how do you like, direct them? What can you tell them about where to find MCE's music or where to see MCE perform? And you, um, you can catch us on uh, all platforms, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram uh, at MCE, S-O-L-M-U-Z-I-K. That's MCE. So, you know, uh, I do video along with Ishmael A. So some, uh, most of the videos, too, you can catch on my channel. And there's C-D-E-A-D-A-M-Z, Fed Adams. Fantastic. 
thank you for sharing that. I think it's important, again, to direct people on where to go. And, you know, at ARC, we believe in standing up, speaking out and taking action to spread anti-racism and to make positive change happen in a way that you can do. Not everyone has the talent to get up and give a big speech on the steps of the state capitol or the or the National Mall or something like that. Not everyone has the courage to send out something on social media, uh, but everybody has a talent or something that they can do. And all we ask is each pe- person to do what you can do. And MCE has given us another great example of how optimistic people endure, H-O-P-E. That's what we call hope. Uh, and it's you do what you can do. They're using their talents, their unique ability to make a difference in the spirit of Chuck D, as I mentioned earlier, in the spirit of <laughs> KRS-One, who I mentioned earlier, or Brother J from back in the day, or even today, even a Kendrick Lamar. Very popular rapper, but he does take a t- time to talk about some socially conscious things. These guys are using their talent to bring a message of positivity, and they're trying to live it. You heard Obafemi talk about trying to start a garden in the neighborhood, neighborhood garden, and you heard said rapping about taking care of yourself. You heard uh, Eshmalek talking about the importance of black family and black fatherhood. These sound basic, doing everything you can to make yourself better every day, being a good father, eating the right things, staying healthy, being the best you possibly can. We need those types of uplifting messages. So thank you, gentlemen. And is there one thing you'd like to leave our audience with? Is there one message, Eshmalek, that you have you want to leave the audience with? Um, well, in this, I'll, how about this quote? Let me see. He who conquers self is the greatest war. Work on yourself. Conquer self. I love it. Said. Man, uh, my, my, my motto, uh, black love equals black power. You know, and then, right. you have to love, you got to love yourself, black man, black woman. And that is the power that we hold. Absolutely. Love it. Obafemi. Um, man, and, um, I, you know, I just say, you know, he mentioned about our music being on all platforms. That's Apple Music, iTunes, iHeartRadio, like all. Oh, oh, you can find our music on Spotify. You can find our music on all of those. But uh, I would just say, man, never stop learning, man. You're never too old to to learn. Um, and, you know, people say knowledge is power. Knowledge is power when you apply it. You have to use what you know. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you got to apply what you know to your life, man. That's the, that's the key. Apply what you learn to your life. And you'll see some uh, serious change, man. So, Man, I love it. Keep working on yourself. Love yourself. Learn every day and apply it. Thank you so much, MCE. Obafemi said, Eshmalek, keep doing your thing. Keep using your talents and your art to educate, to uplift, and encourage mm-hmm. millions of people who need it so dearly. And to drive positive change in a country that needs it even more. Thank you. I hope to have you back soon. Man, appreciate you, brother. Visit us at joinarc.org to learn more about ARC. Donate to our cause and join the movement that will change the world. To find the ARC of Change podcast with Donzo Leggett, 
and learn more about the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition or ARC, please visit us at joinarc.org. You can also subscribe to the Arc of Change with Donzel Leggett on your favorite podcast hosting sites. I greatly look forward to our next episode, an opportunity to inspire you to become part of the movement that will change the world by eradicating racism once and for all. Until next time, stay safe and continue to ask yourself, am I doing enough? And remember that none of us are doing enough as long as racism and hate still exist. Thanks for listening and goodbye. The Arc of Change podcast with Donzel Leggett is brought to you by the Anti-Racism Commitment Coalition. To learn more about Arc, donate to our cause and join the coalition, visit joinarcc.org. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share this podcast to help spread our mission to change the world by ending racism once and for all. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be inspired.